it's Michelle, and I wanted to give you a little update on what's been going on since uh, Colleen and I decided to go on hiatus a couple months ago. Um, it's just me today, and this is going to be unedited, so I apologize in advance uh, if there's any sound quality issues or, or whatnot. This is just going to be a kind of, yeah, a rough uh, one-take kind of thing. Um, and then I'm also going to add on, um, an episode that I just recorded on Monday with Justin Jackson that everybody who has a U.S. software business, regardless of whether it's a side project or one with employees, uh, needs to know about. But we'll get into that later. So, um, as we kind of talked about, um, Colleen and I decided to go on hiatus for a variety of reasons. Um... Colleen, mostly because she really wants and needs to be heads down on Hammerstone um, right now. And she has indeed been heads down on it. Um, I don't know if you're listening to the Hammerstone podcast, which she's recording and releasing every so often with her co-founder, Aaron. And um, those are worth listening to. Um They've got good stuff going on. Um, and, you know, for me, I just had so much going on between podcasts and book and conferences. And then I was also in language school and I was still, you know, running Geocodio. And uh, there was just a lot, a lot going on. Um, and I was just tired, quite frankly. Um, and, you know, the thing about recording this podcast was... Like Colleen and I have a nine-hour time difference now, and that made recording uh, a bit a bit challenging, um, especially so in the last couple of months, you know, and sort of starting in the fall because, um, you know, we, we bought a farmhouse here, and so we've been remodeling that house, and so we're, we're actually not living in the house right now, but our shed quarters where I record... Um, is at our house and so like it just made everything really complicated in terms of the logistics because we're recording at 8 a.m colleen's time 5 p.m for me and so like she's just gotten the kids out the door and is like coming down from that stress and then you know school's gotten out we're trying to get dinner on the table i'm also like at you know at a different place like physically and i can't just like you know when we started the podcast i would just kind of go down after bedtime and record at 9 p.m. Um, and that's not really an option. I kind of tried that a little bit. Um, but I don't know if you've ever stood alone in a field at like 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Um, it's pretty creepy, even if it's your own field. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so so yeah, because it's just like super dark. Um, and so... But that'll be easier, I think, once our renovation is done. Um, so who knows, you know, what the future holds and whatnot. Um, but that's kind of where we're at. Um, and I was very much enjoying my, what I called my hibernation of, you know, saying no to podcast appearances. Like the ones you've maybe seen from me in the past couple months. Like those are ones I agreed to in the fall. Um, you know, not doing any conferences, not doing any Zoom talks, like no side projects just doing geocodio just doing life which is more than enough to keep me busy plus spending time on my health which is the thing that kind of moved to the bottom of the pile between work side projects family and language school for the past year and a half um so I was very much enjoying that um God, this is sounding more like a rambly voicemail to an old friend than a podcast, but, um, right. So maybe that's okay. So what pulled me out of my hibernation that I was very much enjoying, um, is this awful thing called the changes to section 174. Uh, and you may have seen me tweeting about this, um, or heard me on other podcasts about it. Um, and basically what this is, is it's a change to the U.S. tax code that, that took effect for tax year 2022, which is to say the taxes people are paying right now. Um, 
that makes it so that software development and other types of what the tax code calls research and experimental activities um, have to be amortized rather than uh, having the option to expense them. Now, there's a lot of misunderstanding about this because people hear that and they go, well, I don't do R&D, so that doesn't impact me. Uh, and unfortunately, that uh, is not how the tax code looks at it um, because it specifically enumerates software development as included in this category. And the thing is, is that it's been in that category for like 70 years. And it was just never a problem until um, they took away the option to expense it. So what this means is if you spend, you know, let's say you spent all of last year building a new product and you spent a thousand dollars let's say on servers um that's not just like a thousand dollars off of your taxable income you could actually only expense 10 percent of that the first year um so you can only expense a hundred dollars of that and then two hundred dollars of it next year um this is a huge problem because it's artificially inflating everyone's taxable income and people are seeing tax bills that are like 400 times higher than they otherwise would have paid. Um, this is a huge problem for small software businesses because so much of our, uh, of what we do is software development. So this is not just new products, it's also new features too. Um, now we are waiting from, for full guidance from the IRS because Congress was widely expected to revert this before it took effect. Um, Everybody expected that. Everybody in D.C. expected that, including the IRS. Um, but the way that experts and big companies are proceeding are uh, as if this is as bad as it seems. And um, indie founders uh, like you and I are already getting tax bills um, that are significantly higher uh, to the point where people are freezing hiring, laying off staff, um, reducing salaries going without pay themselves, tapping credit cards, tapping lines of credit, doing whatever they can just to pay a tax bill. And um, I mean, for us, like, you know, we went into this year and, you know, there's a lot of layoffs in tech and we were like, oh, like maybe this is a good time for us to start thinking about adding another developer. Like we know some good people who have been let go recently. Uh, and this is just, that is just killed that conversation entirely. Um, I don't even know what our, uh, bill is going to be yet, but I just I know I know it's not going to be good. Um, and the thing about this is, there's also a lot of accountants that don't even know that this happened because the IRS didn't issue full guidance. They issued a warning in January to accountants telling them that this is happening, but they've never had to define software development. Um, but again, you know the way that big companies are proceeding and is that it's it's as bad as it seems. So, and they have been talking to Congress for like four years about this because for context it was basically a way that they paid for the 2017 tax cuts was to do this change but then they never actually intended to make it permanent so it's kind of like a little magic trick basically to make those tax cuts seem affordable um and they they, they intended to revert this and there's like widespread support for reverting it in congress um which just when does that happen right so it's like broadly bipartisan they almost repealed it in december and then it fell apart at the last minute. And so so what's going on now um, is that we need to fight this because it's been seen as a big business issue. And that's kind of why it's gotten tangled up in Congress a bit. Uh, but this isn't just a big business issue. This is a small business issue. Um, this is an issue for small software businesses. This is an issue for small manufacturers, for small biotech companies. Um but our world is small software and we are threatened right now. Like, so I, um, so, so, so you know that I'm an indie founder and I wrote a book and I have this podcast and blah, blah, blah. And what you probably don't know is that, um, I used to live and work in DC and still have a lot of friends there. Uh, you know, Colleen and I met living in Arlington, Virginia, which is right on the other side of the Potomac. So I found out about this. I started asking my friends in D.C. about it and they were like, yeah, this is this is a huge problem and we've been trying to fix it for years. And I was like, well, like my friends might be going out of business because of this. Like we're not hiring somebody because of this. Like and they're like, oh, well, like let's get you in the conversation. So that's what we're doing. 
Um, so I'm kind of in this weird spot of being a connecting point between the policy world um, that is very eager to have us on board and um, the indie founder world. So what's happening is we're sending a coalition letter to Congress. These coalition letters are incredibly effective. I mentioned that small biotechs are impacted. A group of 500 small biotechs wrote a coalition letter to Congress explaining, hey, 174 is a problem. Here's how it's impacting us. Um, and a senator mentioned that in um, a hearing last week. So these are very effective. Um, it's going to go straight to their offices, um, straight to the, the members that um, support this effort. And also, and it's something that they can use um, as they are talking to other members to say, hey, like this is this is hitting small businesses. They don't have the ability to you know, loan a bunch of money for a year for Congress to only refund this later, right? Because Congress is, you know, there's, there's, um, as it looks right now, Congress, you know, could um, revert this in, in later on in the year. Um, but that, that's kind of, they're operating under the assumption that companies can basically just like loan the IRS tons of money for like six months and then just get it back, which if you're an indie founder and your tax bill just went from $75,000 a year to $225,000 a year and you're running a lean operation, um, that's going to be a huge problem. So this letter, the point of this is is to tell Congress that this is an urgent crisis that cannot wait, whether that's because it's causing uncertainty for small businesses who haven't heard about this from their accountants yet or don't know what their tax bill is going to be yet and are simply pulling back or because they are already they have already paid this and are already facing the impact. Um, so the coalition letter. If you're a U.S. founder with a U.S. small business, SSBAlliance.org. I'm 12 minutes in and I have totally buried the lead. Um, go there and sign the letter. The goal is to send the letter before tax day. So the deadline for signing it is April 10th. It is March 29th as I record this. And I mentioned that those small biotechs had 500. Uh, I've kind of set a goal of 1,000 because I think there are enough of us. I think we can get there. We have to spread the word about this, though, because this imperils our entire way of doing business. It will no longer be remotely attainable to be a small, profitable software business because if all of the work we do to build new products and add new features to our products becomes all of a sudden this like taxable phantom profit that we can only expense part of every year um it's just it's not going to work like if this had if this had come into being when we were still a side project like i mean we probably would have ended up paying taxes our first year when we only made like two thousand dollars like it's um this is a problem even if you have a side project, even if you don't have employees, even if you don't take the R&D tax credit, which, by the way, likely cannot offset all of this anyway. And you have to have extensive record keeping in order to take the R&D tax credit. And that's the other thing about this is like if the time you spend building new products versus working on new features versus fixing bugs, like if fixing bugs is one tax category and new features and new products are another tax category... Like, are we all going to have to be time tracking? Like so many people start indie businesses and part of it, you know, like Colleen is like, they're excited to no longer do client work, no longer be time tracking. Right. I mean, but if like those 15 minutes you spend doing something for a new feature or, or the, the UI library you buy or whatever that is, is, is taxed differently. Um, you're going to have to keep meticulous records. Otherwise that's tax evasion um and tax fraud and like just like the administrative burden of this is going to be massive for small businesses um plus the the just the tax impacts and it's worst the first year too um because you only get 10 percent um for 2022 and and then 20 percent for um the four years after that um so we have to fight this and I'm pulling out all of my connections for this, and they are very receptive to having us working on this. Um, like, because of this effort, like, 
indie founders that you probably recognize from Twitter have already spoken to Hill staff about this. Um, like I've gotten them in touch with people. And so we're going to do this letter. We're going to get people in touch with staff. Um, Congress barely knows that small software companies exist. The rest of the economy barely knows that small software companies exist, right? Like we're a little niche, um, but we're getting really hit by this. And um, so if you have a small software business in the U.S., I need you to sign this letter and I need you to tell every founder you know to sign this letter and to do so before April 10th. The goal is a thousand signatures. I know we can get there. I know there are at least a thousand of us. Um, SSBalliance.org. Um, go there, sign it. Um, and if you can, like I, I did a really long tweet thread, um, like kind of like an FAQ about this. Um, that thread was fact checked by professionals before it went out. Like that thread was actually a week in the making. Um, it's, I mean, it sounds so like cringe, but like, please retweet. Um, seriously, just, you know, while you're hunting for enterprise customers on LinkedIn, like share this, like I have posts up about this. Um, this is an existential threat for our businesses. Um, and seriously, even like, even if you made $500 on your side project last year, you were probably, um, going to get hit by this. So we all have to work together, um, to to beat this and I know we can do it um and so for more on this um I am adding in the episode that I recorded with um Justin Jackson a couple days ago um on this issue um and yeah that's all for now um I look forward to going back into hibernating when all of this tax stuff is over with I mean like, we spent the whole fall doing sales taxes, and then we're dealing with this whole nightmare about U.S. and Danish taxes, because uh, LLCs don't exist here, and it's a whole hairball. Um, the last thing I want to be doing right now is talking about taxes. Um, but if we work together, we can fight this. I know we can. I know we can win. Um, we, can, we, can, we can throw a wrench in these negotiations, get things going help Congress understand that this is an urgent crisis for small businesses. Um, all right. I'm going to close it here. Good chat. SSBalliance.org. And thanks. This is Transistor.fm. Welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind-the-scenes story of building a web app in 2023. I'm Justin Jackson, the co-founder of Transistor.fm. And today on the call, I have Michelle Hansen, co-founder of Geocodio. And we're going to be talking about something very exciting, which is Section 174. Hi, Michelle. How are you doing? Hi. How are you? First of all, Michelle, last I heard from you, you were going into hibernate mode. And the way I understood hibernate mode was you were going to offload some of your side projects, you know, stop recording the podcast for a while, no writing of new books, nothing extra, not doing any public speaking. I'm just going to relax. I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to focus on my family. I'm going to focus on Geocodio. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, I want to go back in my cave, man. <laughs> yeah. Section 174 is what happened, and yeah. I can't wait to go back into hibernate mode. Okay. Yes. We're, it, this was kind of, I mean, it's not out of left field because it's, this legislation's been proposed for a while. Maybe for folks who don't understand what Section 174 is, could you give a brief description and maybe... T- then we'll talk about why it matters for small software companies. So what is Section 174? The very high level, 
is that Section 174, specifically what we're talking about is reverting Section 174, um, is a part of the U.S. tax code. So we are talking about uh, anyone who has a U.S. business uh, that builds or sells software. Um, And this is the part of the tax code that deals with what is called research and experimental, which is different than R&D. Okay. Um, and basically for, for, I want to say about 70 years, uh, since this section came into being, um, software development was considered among this, uh, research and experimental or R and E spending. Okay. Um, and then what happened was, and, and, and under this section, you had the choice to either, um, take all of those expenses immediately, which is to say, Let's say you spent $10,000 last year uh, building a new product, you had server costs, you had icon libraries, you had a UI library, you had all this stuff that you used to build it, right? That $10,000, you could choose either to take that as an expense right away, so that's negative $10,000 from your taxes, or you could choose to amortize it, which is basically have it spread out over many years, which is like something you hear very commonly about computers, right? Like mm-hmm. all of us kind of know, like if you buy a new laptop, you don't get to take off a hundred percent of that in the year that you bought it. That has to be spread out over many years because you get, you know, five years uh, of life out of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for basically forever, uh, companies could choose to either expense these expenses, uh, software software development among them, or uh, spread them out over many years. Yeah. Now, in 2017, there was a uh, big piece of tax law um, in the U.S. Mostly it was tax cuts. Um, and a part of the sort of maneuvering to pay for those tax cuts was to say that, and this is also a benefit of it, they said for five years, companies can expense all of this R&E spending. Yeah. But then as of January 1st, 2022, which is 14 months ago, yeah, it must be amortized. So companies no longer had the option or have the option to take it as an expense. Like what, what's the proposed benefit to the government for doing it this way? The thing about this is that when Congress passed this law in 2017, it was known um, that it was basically part of the package that was that was paying for these tax cuts and sort of just kind of in the same way that many governments push the problem of paying for uh, retirement off to the next generation. Yeah. This was kind of doing that to companies, except only five years down the line and not, you know, 30, 40 years down the line. Got it. And so they knew when they were passing this bill that the intent was that they would revert this change before it took effect. So it was basically kind of some accounting sleight of hand um, as they were passing this bill. At this point, we can get upset about that. Or I think where I'm choosing to spend my attention is on the likely catastrophic impact it will have on companies that build software and then doing something about it. Yeah. Yeah. So this was this from my perspective, it looks like this was political maneuvering. Nobody expected this to go through, really. But now it looks like it it has gone through. And now... I'm seeing tweets from founder friends who are like, uh, we're doing our taxes and instead of paying $75,000 in taxes this year, we're paying $225,000 in taxes this year. Or instead of my taxes being uh, 30%, they've gone up 350%. So it's having a meaningful uh, impact on people right now. Are you seeing that too? Yeah. And and this is also something that companies have been predicting for a long time. And so uh, bigger companies think, you know, Netflix and Zoom and uh, Microsoft, Intel, like since 2019, 
they have been talking to Congress about this, saying, hey, remember that tax provision that you didn't intend to take effect? We haven't forgotten about it. Let's just make sure that we fix this before 2022 when it takes effect. And they've been sending letters and, and, and talking to Congress about this for four years now. And everybody thought, in 2022 that it was going to be reverted before it took effect in December. And then it kind of fell apart at the last moment with some negotiations. And and then so we get into this year. And I think we small business owners like hadn't really been clued in on it because, I mean, like I don't track like policy legislation as part of my, like I'm too busy, like responding to customers and like, like building software. Right. So, and dealing with sales taxes. So, um, (laughs) so now we get into this year and, uh, our accountants are starting to say, so there's this change that Congress didn't intend for it to take effect. Uh, but it did take effect. And now all of your software development and new features you're adding, new products you're building, stuff you probably don't think of as R&D, salaries, servers, icon libraries, whatever it is, all of that is now has to be amortized. That's no longer an expense. You can only take 10% of it for 2022. I did not realize that. Um, that it's not just salaries. It's also any other expense related to software development. Right. So this means, for example, that if you are, and and, and so the, the crazy thing about this is also that a Congress didn't intend for it to take effect, but since they were widely like expected to fix this before it took effect, because nobody in Washington thinks it's good tax policy, Yeah. Uh, the IRS did not write and release the full guidance on how tax preparers implement this. Mm-hmm. They issued sort of something that's being taken basically as a warning in January that was like, hey, remember, this happened, but it doesn't actually define software development. Yeah. But I have been talking to a lot of experts about this in the past couple of weeks, and it is increasingly clear to me that Section 174 is bad news for every company that builds software not just ones that have employees, not just ones that are C-Corps. Like if you have an LLC and you're only building a product right now and you're not even making any money, you're going to owe taxes because of this. Like it's very, you're likely to owe taxes rather. Wow. Um, It's everything. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like if we, so, 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 so again, the IRS has never had to define software development. So we're going to have to, we're waiting for that from them. But yeah. if they take the definition of it that most of the major accounting firms expect them to take and what you know big companies have been warning about in their public filings, like you can find VMware like warning about the tens of millions of dollars in additional taxes they're going to have to pay mm-hmm. in their filings last year. Yeah. Like, like are developers are, is, are all developers going to have to be time tracking? Like- yeah. I mean, everybody's, I mean, people are usually so relieved to stop doing client work and stop time tracking. And now it's like, wait a minute, well, was that new feature development, which is now this R&E expense that has to be amortized? Uh, so not only your, if you get a salary, right, that has to be part of that, but also, okay, I guess the staging server that you were using, that part of that expense is now under this different category, uh, you wow. know, like, okay, you bought, you know, Tailwind UI for that. Okay. That's now, uh, has to be capitalized, right? Like versus, well, you were fixing a bug later. And so that is actually just a regular business expense. So we get to write that one off. But then what if we're doing a UI improvement that, is that a bug? Is that like, is that a new feature? If it's oh making it gosh. easier to use because people were not realizing there was this function out like it's a nightmare it's an absolute nightmare and i think the fact that big companies have been writing to congress about this for four years now it it shows how much of a problem this is before we get into this conversation justin it's very important that i note that i am not a tax accountant and for advice about your specific situation people should consult an accountant. 
Yes. The same applies for me. We are <laughs> not accountants. We are not lawyers. We are not giving investment advice. You just play one on TV. <laughs> this is just yeah. for informational <laughs> and entertainment purposes yeah. only. And call to action purposes, really. I mean, that's why that's why I'm here is not to, you know, be the the rain on everybody's parade, right? Is to say, yes, this is a big problem. Congress kind of made it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, f- five, six years ago. Um, big companies have been trying to do something about it. Didn't work. And that's where we come in. Yes. So um, let's talk about what you've been organizing during your hibernate mode. Uh, <laughs> so you have this amazing website, SSB. So S as in, as in Sam, S as in Sam twice, right? SSBalliance.org. So tell us what you've done so far and what's kind of in motion right now. So what's in motion right now is to get small software businesses into this conversation and hopefully get the message through to Congress that this is an urgent problem that needs an urgent solution. Mm-hmm. So you know, Congress uh, in December, they tried to repeal this. I mean, there was broad bipartisan support. Like there isn't anyone who thinks this is a good idea. Um But it was seen as kind of a big business issue, which Mm -hmm. meant that it got parlayed off of a whole bunch of other different issues and it all got very complicated and fell through. Mm -hmm. And this year, there is still a chance this is going to uh, get reverted. There is, again, broad bipartisan support for this. Nobody thinks it's a good idea. Nobody thinks it's good tax tax policy. But it's still seen as a big business issue. And mm-hmm. the problem is, is like you, I'm either opening emails from my accountant about this or I'm opening Twitter and seeing all of my friends freaking out, see, saying that they might have to do layoffs, that they're taking out loans, that they're using their personal credit cards, or that they have no idea and their accountant hasn't told them and they are getting really worried. Mm-hmm. The thing the thing about this is that small businesses, like everybody loves small businesses, mm-hmm. right? Especially yeah. policymakers. I like to say, you know, we are the cute puppies of the policy world. Just basically everybody loves small businesses. That's right. But right now, because of Section 174, we are getting run over by a truck and Congress has no idea. Yeah. Because they are thinking, okay, you know what? We should we should fix this we can do that later in the year. We can push this again to December, push it to the last minute, get something through. And, you know, big companies, they have access to credit markets. They can, they can you know, shoulder an extra $10, $20 million in a tax bill in a year mm-hmm. and knowing that they're going to get it back later, right? Because this, the, this would not only fix it, but also revert it so that it basically didn't take effect. Yeah. And then you would get a refund for 2022. But if you're a small business and your tax bill has just gone from, you know, $75,000 to Mm $225,000 and you're making, you know, a million (laughs) or two a year, that's huge. Like you may not have that money. You don't, you can't just go sell stock in order to get that money back. You can't just go to the bank and get a loan because, I mean, the only bank that was friendly to, to, to software companies, like literally just went kaput. Like, yeah, like, and most of us didn't even there. use them. We use normal banks that like barely know what software is in the first yeah. place. Like, yeah. so this is a huge problem for small businesses. We can't wait a year to get a refund check for this. Yeah. Like, we can't wait. And so what you probably know about me is that I am an indie founder. I wrote a book. I have a podcast, all that fun stuff. Way back when, I used to live and work in D.C. Okay. And so when I heard about this, and I, I have some friends who work in the policy world, and I remember them like kind of saying at the end of last year, like, oh, this big thing I've been working on, like, you know, it didn't go through. And I'm like super bummed about it. And like, I mean, I'm like super checked out on politics. Like I'm just kind of like working and like, you know, I have a general idea of what's going on, but like, yeah, definitely not following policy. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like really rough. I'm sorry. You've worked hard on this. Like it didn't work. Like go have a glass of wine. Like, right. And then, and then, so everybody started talking about this and I started hearing about it. And I was like, so is this, this 
thing that you were all upset about in December? And they were like, yes. Wow. I was like, oh, um, because all of my friends are upset about it now. Mm -hmm. And so I have basically been pulling out all the connections I've got to get us into the conversation in D.C. Amazing. And to get us, the cute puppy small businesses, Mm -hmm. in front of Congress so that they understand um, that this is an issue, right? And, and and let me do an analogy here. This issue is kind of like, you know, for this for anybody who has teenagers, who's ever been a teenager, which I know is you. Yeah. Um, it's like a pile of sports equipment sitting in the hallway, right? <laughs> that might be hockey equipment. It could be soccer cleats, whatever. It's sitting in the hallway and it sits there for a couple of days. Everybody knows it's a problem. Everybody knows it shouldn't be there, but everybody just keeps walking by. Yeah. And then one day turns into another, and this pile of sports equipment starts smelling really, really terribly. Yeah. It's a good analogy. And the person who should be cleaning it up is playing Mario Kart. And there's guests coming in 10 minutes, right? And yeah. so we need to be, you know, the person who kind of runs in there with a wooden spoon and says, hey, this is a problem. Guests are coming in 10 minutes. There's a pile of, you know, dirty equipment in the hallway. Like, yeah. we need to get this done now. We cannot wait. And so what I'm doing um, is, you know, first sort of, Getting us together, right? We are not the most organized bunch. Mm -mm. Um, Just trying to organize people. And then getting people in front of policymakers. So like members of our community, because of this effort, have already talked to Hill staff, already told them about how they're taking out loans and how this is affecting them. Yeah. But the big thing we're doing now is we're going to have a coalition letter to Congress, which is basically this is a formal letter to Congress that will go directly to their offices. This is not something that we just put in a contact form and pray. Mm -hmm. This is going directly to their offices because of these friends that I have. Amazing. And describes the impact that this is having on small software businesses. Now, I know that many of us, we don't even know what the impact of it is yet. Yeah. That's okay. Like if your accountant hasn't found out about this yet or hasn't told you about it yet, and you're worried about it, you can still sign this because you are almost certainly going to be impacted by this. And, but there are people who are, who are like laying people off, or, I mean, we were talking about hiring another developer this year Mm -hmm. and that conversation has just gone out the window. Mm -hmm. Um, We just hired somebody else. (laughs) uh, Did you? Yeah. Congratulations. (laughs) I mean, there are companies facing bankruptcy already because of this. Like this is, very, very like, and and I have this form up just kind of collecting everybody's emails and their addresses so we know which congressional districts they're in and kind of how it's impacting them so far. And like, it is, it is just breaking my heart every single one of these emails that I get. That, that's like, you know, we got through COVID, we thought things were going to be good. Mm-hmm. Like, we finally felt like we were back on our feet again. And then this happened, right? And we don't have the money for it. Banks won't work with us. Like, personal credit cards, I guess. Right. And so we need to get this letter in front of Congress. And these things are very, very effective. So Mm -hmm. there was a group of small biotech companies that sent one a few weeks ago. There were 500 small biotechs that signed this letter, which I think that means we can do a thousand, right? Yeah. A senator like mentioned this letter in a hearing a couple weeks ago. Like these things really make a difference because when that like there are our policymakers who are they're already co-sponsors of the bill to fix this, right? Yeah. When they're going to their colleagues, when their staff is going to their colleagues, this is a letter they can bring with them and say, here is very tangible impact of very small businesses seeing tax bills that are 400% higher uh, than previously for a policy that we never intended to implement. Yeah. Um, and so as many people who are U.S. citizens, sorry, mm-hmm can sign this, right? Yeah. Like all 50 states plus territories. Um, we, we have to do this, right? Cause this is up to us at this point. Yeah. The big companies have tried. It's stuck 
as yeah. a big business issue. It's not a big business issue. This is also a small business issue. And so we have the opportunity to get in there, shake things up a bit and say, this is, this is not a hypothetical issue. This is, this is not something that's only going to affect, you know, the Facebooks of the world, right? Like this is a, this is going to impact small businesses in Kansas and Missouri and Pennsylvania and Arizona as much as it is the companies in California who are, you know, already hurting. Yeah. And, and just to, again, to give an, a practical example of this, like a transistor, I think like a lot of bootstrap software companies, uh, we, we spend most of the money in a year. We take it out as owner with owner uh, distributions. We take it out as uh, pay our staff really well. So we don't have a lot of cash in the bank. Uh, we run just a nice lean operation, and we know that every month we're going to have more cash coming in from recurring revenue. But if you've been running your business like that, that means that... and and. And you just have this expectation that any expense you have is an expense for that year. And so you can take most of the money out of the company. Um, so if you run lean, like a lot of us do, that's where it's going to get you. Because now you're going to need, instead of needing to have whatever you normally have in your bank account, 100000 200000 500000 whatever, you're going to need to have way more just to cover the tax bill, especially year one. And uh, there's this great Wall Street Journal piece that you link to on your site. Uh, I'll quote from that. Laura Lynn Gonzalez expected a tax refund this year after her two-employee data visualization company experienced a $30,000 loss. Instead, she said she's facing a $100,000 federal tax bill that is about as large as her 2022 salary. That's what this looks like. It looks like if you don't have the cash to pay the tax bill, that's where you're going to get in trouble. And um, it works great when you can expense, you know, when you can expense developer salaries and developer costs as a full expense in that year. Running lean works that way. But if you, <laughs> if, if that's the way you've been running it and if, you know, LLCs, you're probably taking nice distributions, you know, all of that's the way you've been working won't work under this legislation. That's why it's so important uh, because you're, you're going to need to come up with maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash to pay a tax bill. It's it, I, Nobody really expected this to happen. And then now that it is, and we are all getting these tax bills or it's sort of very slowly, right? Because there's people I've talked to who didn't, their accountant didn't realize that this was happening. Mm-hmm. So now they're not only facing the huge tax bill, but also penalties. Mm -hmm. um, and that five-year depreciation we talked about for, for spreading it out, if you are running a remote company, which a lot of people are, you've got maybe you've got contractors all over the world, foreign R&E expenses are 15 years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, so if you've got, you know, a lot of people have a team in, in you know, in, in Southeast Asia or in Eastern Europe or just, I mean, spread out all over the world, right? Yeah. That's 15 years. Wow. For that development expense. And so this is, I mean, it, I hesitate to say it because it feels dramatic, but Section 174 is an existential threat to anyone who builds software. Yeah. Even if you're only making $10,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even if you don't have any employees. Yeah. This is a problem. And in, a, I mean, this is, I don't know, it feels a little bit like putting the rookie in at the end of the game to throw the Hail Mary, you know, to, to, to win the game. Right. But it's like up to us, the little guys, uh, to do this. But Folks like folks in DC, they are very receptive. Like I've had some great calls with people. They are happy to have us on board. We're getting help. Like we're like this letter is going to go straight to Congress. Like people you probably know on Twitter have already talked to Hill staff about this because of this effort. Yeah. Um. It's I I didn't come out of my hibernation for nothing. Like this is a really really serious problem. And we cannot rely on 
the bigger companies to sort this out. Or as you said a couple of weeks ago, we can't have magical thinking and just pray that it doesn't impact us. Yeah. This is going to impact us. Yeah. And we have a responsibility to do something about it. And yeah. we can do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. So we, folks, if you're listening right now and you are a U.S. citizen and you have, you're doing anything on the side, you have your own software company, um, go to ssballiance.org right now while you're listening, sign it, and then send it to your friends. Explain to them what's going on. And you're right. We need to have a thousand people sign this. Um, there's, there are many, many small software businesses in uh, the United States. And um, the more people that sign this right away, the bigger, um, the louder we can make our voices. And we can, we can actually have a chance here, especially with Michelle's work, to <laughs> make a difference. We can actually get this into the hands of the right people. And again, like she said, small business is such a strong political motivator. Like this, we actually do have some power here and we need to use it especially because the culture has become kind of antagonistic towards big tech. Well, small business, like mom and pop shops, we have uh, a good reputation in the culture and we can use that to say, hey, you got to help us out here. Or like, honestly, I don't know what we would do even. Um, so that's, this is your call to action. Go to ssballiance.org. Michelle's been really good at communicating with everybody sending updates, telling folks exactly what they need to do. It'll take you 10 seconds to sign up and then another 30 seconds to a couple minutes to do uh, what Michelle's asked folks to do. Do you want to just quickly run through what people can do besides sign up for ssballiance.org? So if you go to ssballiance.org now, you will be directed to sign the coalition letter. Um, and then there is also the option to stay updated, which is basically mandatory because if it turns out that you're in a really pivotal congressional district, we want you to talk to your representative. And so it's really important to have your whole address in there. I'm not sharing that with anybody. Your email isn't getting shared with anybody. Like I said, I used to work in DC. I know what the tricks are when you fill out forums about politics where like, I'm still getting added to stuff because of the Obama 2008 <laughs> list. I am not doing that to your email. Yeah, I'm the only person who's going to have this data. It'll get shared you know, anonymously, like in terms of this business in Michigan is saying that they're going to have to lay people off, right? Like things mm -hmm. like that. Or I might reach out to you and say, hey, would you be up for talking to a Hill staffer and sharing more about what's going on in your business? But nobody else is going to see your information. The letter yeah. will have your name, your company name, and your location, again, because we need to show that these businesses are all over the country. I mean, it's kind of a funny thing where, like, Congress basically doesn't know we exist, right? Like, small yeah. software companies. I mean, right? Like, we're kind of looked down upon in some corners, right? Like, we're, oh, mm -hmm. you know, lifestyle businesses, right? Mm -hmm. This is our moment to have an impact. And so that is the information that's gathered. I'm the only one who's seeing that. Sign the coalition letter and do it on or before April 10th. We need to deliver this to Congress before tax day. So yeah. April 10th is the deadline. SSBalliance.org to sign the letter. If you're listening to this after that, you can still go there and um, just sign up for the regular mailing list. And so I'll keep you in the loop, um, on how you can help, mm -hmm. um, sign the yeah. letter. Yeah. And thanks again, Michelle, for like, for, for deciding to put yourself out there to use your connections and to organize this. I was really heartened because I feel like often small business founders just don't want to think about this stuff and I get it, but this is real life. Like this is actually happening. Uh, we, we don't have a reality distortion field we can use here. This is actually just real, really what's happening. So thank you so much. I think everybody, Michelle didn't ask me to say this. Everyone go buy her book. <laughs> thank her on Twitter. <laughs> Sign up for Geocodio. Um, but most of all, just thanks so much. And let's help her do, let's help her get this in motion. So send this to your friends. Sign it right now. Spread the word. And yeah, let's try to get this, uh, let's try to get this reversed. Thank you, Justin.
And I mean, if anybody else, if you've got a podcast, if you've got any kind of presence anywhere, LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever that is, if you have a presence among software founders, you need to use that now Mm -hmm. if you want to continue being a software founder and you want those people to continue being software founders um, as well. We have to do something about this. And so just reach out to me. I did a a scary thing, which is open my DMs. Um, So, uh, yeah. And I'm already getting so many Bitcoin raffle offers. Um, (laughs) Make it worth it, people. Okay. Reach out to me. Yeah. I'm out of my hibernation. We're going to make this happen. What we all need to be on board to make it happen. Yeah. Thanks so much, Michelle. You can get Michelle on Twitter, MJW Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. Uh, she's got a lot of other links on her Twitter page, but then ssballiance.org will also um, give you her email address, which is then you can be in contact with her directly. And yeah, let's get let's make this happen. And we'll let's do a follow up episode after that deadline, uh, which was April 10th. Yeah. After April 10th, let's do another episode just to update folks on this, and uh, we'll go from there. Sounds great. Thank you. Thanks again. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from The Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.